Welcome back, everyone. I'm Tony Brown, and you're listening to Firearms Cafe, the show where we discuss the philosophies of responsible firearms ownership, as well as the relevant issues and challenges that we face in the current gun culture. Well, hey, everybody. What is going on? Today is Sunday. It's the 27th of November, 2022. Hope everybody had a good Thanksgiving and it's been a little bit since I've put out a show, but with the holidays and everything, it just hasn't worked out for me to get in here and sit down with you, so I apologize for that. On the show today, we're going to talk a little bit about maybe some things that are of some concern, and more so because I think it shows a, a certain type of pattern that we're seeing from Congress, so that we're seeing from the House and that we're seeing from the Senate. And we'll talk a little bit also about some stuff that's going on in Texas and some stuff that happened out in Hawaii as well. So before we do that, let's go ahead and get that contact info. If you'd like to contact me, I'd love to hear from you. If you want to send your own email, have me read it for you on the show. If you want to uh, send your own audio recording, I can play it for you on the show or if you go over to my website, which is thearmedape.com, you'll find that send a voicemail thing. And you can click on that either from your phone or just from your computer. And it will send me a, I believe, like a 90 second message or so. Uh, and I think it cuts you off a little bit before that. So anyway, if you want to do something like that, you can do that as well. If you go over to the show's website, which is firearmscafe.com, you'll find all the social media stuff that I have. You'll also find a donation button. And if you are saying, well, I'd like to support the show, but financially it's kind of not in the cards right now. The best way to do it is just to share the show with your friends on any social media stuff that you have, if you think they would like it. Or like we just mentioned, Send something into the show, even if it's just a quick shout out, that type of thing. All right. I think that is enough of that stuff. Let's jump right in and let's talk about, I believe it's House Bill 1808. And it was pretty much an, what they would term, and using their terms, an assault weapon, which again is a made up term. It doesn't really mean anything. And it's just something that where they can kind of blanket cover everything. But it would be an assault weapons ban and a magazine ban because of the way that they have stuff written in there. Now, this originated in the House and it was supposed to go up to the Senate. Some of it got knocked back a little bit. And what they were also looking to do was maybe try and go in through a little backdoor means in that they would try and attach some of this language to another bill. And we've seen several times in the past in Congress where they've tried to do what we'll call, this wasn't the language that they used, of course, but what we'll call a stand on your own bill, meaning that if you want a bill that says you can, uh, I don't know, buy fireworks only on the 4th of July, then that's the only thing that you can do. You can't add stuff that would also say, and oh, in order to get this passed, we're also going to tack on that veterans get free housing for the rest of their lives, you know, that type of thing. So anyway, what they had done is they, there was a thing, I think it's called the Respect for Marriage Act, which has to do with basically saying, 
I think it's saying that uh, gay marriage is protected as well, which is you know how it, in my opinion, how it should be. Um, the reality is, from my view, the again, the state should not be involved in who you want to marry. The government shouldn't be involved in any of that stuff at all. But anyway, I don't want to go down too far on the rabbit hole. But what looked like they were trying to do is to get a lot of this gun control stuff attached to that. And if they kind of go that route, the the reality is it's it's going to be too much of a hot button hot excuse me hot button issue. There we go. If it goes up into the Senate now, what's going to happen come this January in 2023 when the House uh, is going to be mainly Republican control? Well, I don't even want to, if I want to say that. But the influence is going to be mostly Republican. So a lot of the stuff that we would see maybe coming up from the House to go to the Senate just isn't going to make it up there. Also, we still have to wait and see till uh, in December when we're going to see the runoff for the Georgia, uh, for the Georgia, excuse me, Georgia Senate thing with Herschel Walker. And I forget who the other person is, but. Uh, let's, so, well, I guess what we should do is talk about, well, what are the actual numbers? So if we look at the numbers with the uh, the race, and I, the other person's name out in Georgia was, I think, Warnock or something like that, and they're an incumbent. So it looks like, again, all the money is probably going to be dumped out into Georgia. That's where it's going to be fought out. What the numbers are, the numbers are right now in the Senate you have 50 basically for the Democrats because remember the independent, even though they're in theory independents and they're not Democrats, those two, which are Sanders and I forgot the other guy's name, but he's the dude from Maine or the Senator from Maine, I guess I should say. They generally will vote in caucus with the Democrats. So if we look at what the numbers are, we would say there's 50 right now in the Senate for the Democrats. Technically, it would be 48 Democrats, two independents, and then there is 49 for the Republicans. So that if if the Republicans win Georgia, it's going to be a, basically a 50-50, or it would be, again, technically, 48 Democrats, 50 Republicans, and two independents. But again, the independents... I in in my lifetime I haven't seen them since I've been paying attention to this stuff. I've never seen them really vote with the Republicans, uh, although they're again they're supposed to be independent. So, what will that mean? Let's say that Herschel Walker wins. Well, what does that mean for us in gun world? Well, it doesn't really mean a whole lot of change because the Senate is going to remain sort of the same. Uh, will they try and push through? Certain things, I don't know. And would would they go down party lines? It depends kind of what is going to come up from the House, right? So if we look in the House, I think the numbers right now are 220, which I think you needed to have 218 to have the majority, but they've got uh, 220 and then the Democrats and you know, any probably independents that are included in there, that numbers with them, I think are... 213. So some of the some of the 
wacky laws and, and bills, I guess I should, well, I should say bills instead of laws. Some of the wacky house bills that we've seen aren't going to be coming up. They're not going to be done. What we, and the big question is, will we see anything from the, the Republican side of the house to help us in gun world? My answer is almost certainly no. The Republicans generally don't do too much. There are a few out there that do, but they seem to not really do much for for gun owners and for the people that want to have firearms and want to use them for self-defense and for other, you know, any other lawful purpose. They don't ever really seem to do much for them. Quite frankly, because I I think that they think, well, who are you going to vote for? Are you going to vote for this other this other person who comes right out and says, I'm going to take your guns? So I don't know. We'll see. I would like to see them sort of learn a lesson and say, look, if the country's going to be super divided anyway, a lot of it seems like a lot of maybe the, and not the independents that are in in the government, but the independents that are sort of out there in the world, a lot of those seem to be gun owners. So if we're going to try and go after those golden, you know, what do they call them? Uh, swing voters or whatever. And if we're going to try and court that vote, here's what we need to do. Uh, we need to make sure that there's a, that we're, we stand up strong and do stuff and kind of include them. But again, I don't know if they will. Uh, again, the Republicans, ever since I've really been paying attention to this stuff, they really don't get behind stuff and they don't go out and fight for things and they don't make it a, a uh, they don't make it a priority I guess that's the word I was kind of searching for but anyway I guess long term here's what I think unfortunately is going to happen I think that in Georgia I think Herschel Walker is going to lose and I think what that means is then that the Senate is going to be 51 to 49, which means they're going to be able to pass through or put through certain things that they want. They may try and enact certain federal things. Once that happens, a lot of that stuff, if it's especially if it's when uh, we're talking more about Second Amendment things, those things are then going to be challenged in the, in the circuit courts and eventually some things are going to go up to the Supreme Court. However, what's going to happen with the Supreme Court, a lot of times what the Supreme Court, if, if things are going to get up there, they're going to say, we're not going to hear that stuff right now because we don't want to be bogged down and only do Second Amendment stuff. We got a favorable review with, or an outcome, I guess I should say, with Bruin, and that is changing a lot of things, and it's changing a lot of things with interpretation down into those lower circuit cor courts, excuse me, but... We still may not get a lot of favorable outcomes. It's, it's all up for grabs. And, you know, the Democrats have made no qualms about saying we want to stack the Supreme Court. We want to go in and put, add another five uh, more people or another 10 people, however it is, and, and we'll just stack it all with super liberal judges that are going to do kind of whatever we want. So, anyway. Let's kind of get back to some of that stuff about that um, the the House Bill 
1808. So what was it about? What was it trying to do? Basically, what they were saying is in their assault weapons ban, and you have to say, okay, well, then what's an assault weapons ban? And pretty much, I'm not going to go down into the weeds, but you can go look it up. It's uh, HR 1808, and you can read through all that stuff. But pretty much it's saying that if it if it has any type of a detachable magazine, if it's semi-automatic, if it has a threaded barrel, if it has a pistol grip, if it has all this other stuff, and then they included handguns because a lot of times they say, well, you can have this AR pistol. Well, if it's got an adjustable stock, if it's got a pistol brace, if it's got this, if it's got a barrel shot, if it's got a threaded barrel, which they pretty much all have so that you can change out your muzzle devices on the end of them, those are going to be banned. And then what they're trying to say is, oh, but we're going to grandfather this stuff in. And I don't know if ultimately what they would do, because you would say, well, how are they going to know when my gun was made? Or how are they going to know when I had this? How do they, how do they know? Because there's no registration. So what they may require you to do is they may require you to go in and have your have a certain part of the barrel engraved or a certain part of the firearm I should excuse me should say engraved with the date with the with 2022 or something like that you know I don't know who knows anyway these guys do all this kind of crazy stuff and uh, they have all these weird schemes to try and shut down these loopholes well another thing that they're talking about is they also talked about in that HR 1808 that they wanted to do magazine capacity restriction, meaning that you couldn't have anything over 10 rounds. And they also included shotguns where I think it was that you can't have anything over five rounds. Um, if it's a semi-automatic shotgun, anything that had a, a capacity more than, what was it? I think more than five again for the shotguns. Also any certain pistols or certain rifles that have, if it's not a fixed mag, the magazine can't be altered to hold more than 10 rounds. If it is a fixed magazine, it can't have the capacity to hold more than 10. Probably they would shove that down even to five eventually. So anyway, that's some of the stuff that's going on with that. I don't think that's going to go anywhere. I think it's going to just kind of die in the Senate. It's too, it's too radical even now, even though how divided everything is. Um, and we can talk a little bit more about what's going to happen in 2024. The next thing, but we'll, we'll maybe do that at the very end here. So the next thing let's talk about is let's, we'll, we'll kind of stick with the, the bills. So to, uh, I guess in Texas, there was a bill that was floated out there. And I, I think it's house bill 957. And I think it passed. And then the and what they were saying basically is, look, if, if we make a suppressor here in Texas, and if that suppressor has made in Texas on it, and as long as that suppressor stays in Texas and doesn't go outside of the state, then you can't regulate it. The ATF has no authority to regulate it under the, um, under the Interstate Commerce Clause. Well, hey, friends, even though this may be a seamless transition, you have actually been time warped. It is... What is today? Thursday, the 1st of December. So I had a bunch of stuff come up and I just didn't have the time to get back here in front of the microphone. I think what we were talking about when last I left was, if I remember, there was the Texas suppressor 
lawsuit against sort of the ATF. And I think, if I remember right, one of the named person in there is Paxton. I don't know if that's one of the, like a suppressor maker or, you know, who that person is exactly. Anyway, it is, I think, House Bill 957. And in a nutshell, and if if I said this just before, uh, forgive me. In a nutshell, basically what it said was that if you are a citizen and resident of the state of Texas and you buy a suppressor that's been made in Texas and has stamped on the suppressor made in Texas, excuse me, Texas, then it doesn't fall under the interstate commerce law and the ATF has no regulation over it or jurisdiction or anything like that. And so as long as you keep it within the state of Texas, they're saying, well, you you can just go out and buy one or you can make your own if you wanted to and you don't have to report it. I, I, I guess, you know, that would be the other thing. If you went out and let's say you made your own suppressor or you made an adapter that would go on the threaded portion of your barrel and then you were going to use just a tube that you made and some baffles that you made and you figured out how to do it. And so that the, the actual suppressor part, according to the ATF, would be, I believe, just that adapter. So you've seen on, I'm sure you've seen on YouTube and some other places where they've had a guy that has that adapter and then he'll use an oil filter, right? He'll shoot the first thing through and it basically, it, it kind of captures the gases and all this, that, and the other thing. So anyway, there's also, I guess, I think it was a maybe a fuel filter that was a Napa part. I'm not exactly sure what that is. But anyway, you can, a person could figure out the thread pitch and all that other stuff, and then they could actually have their own, their own suppressor. Uh, I don't know how well it would work or if there's other things that you would have to do other than that to make it actually function properly. But anyway, so that would be a question I would have. What if you were, if a person made this, does this House Bill 957, is it only from, let's say, companies that are making it? Or if you made one on your own, much how you can make your own firearm. So I don't know. Anyway, I don't know what's going to happen with that in Texas. I It seems like it's going to maybe be held up. That will get appealed. And at some point, I, I think it may go to, I think it's the... What is Texas? Uh, Arizona, where I'm at, is the ninth. I think Texas is the fifth, the fifth circuit. So I think what it would do is it would go up to that fifth circuit. I think the fifth circuit would say, okay, well, here's what's happened with the Bruin ruling in the Supreme Court. And if it were to, and part of it is when they do this, they look at and say, okay, well, what would, based on stuff that's that they've ruled on, what would they be likely to do? I think I think that's part of how they how they come to their decisions on certain things. So anyway, it would have to go up I think to the 5th circuit if the 5th circuit if it got appealed there it could then be I think sent to the Supreme Court court excuse me for consideration. I don't know if that would mean that they would hear it. Probably they would, maybe maybe not. They may say no, we're not going to hear it or they, or they would kick it back down to the 5th circuit again and in that case if you know if if the ruling was favorable, you know, to the to us here in Gunworld, uh, 
it may get you know shoved back there and and then that would probably be the final thing so and and i think they would uphold it but i could be wrong on that so anyway what does that mean kind of going forward if this is successful i think you'll see other states like rob i don't i don't know anymore with arizona i don't know that the the pro-gun anti-gun divide is so razor thin here uh, but I think you would see places like Oklahoma, Texas, or not Texas, Oklahoma, Kansas. You would definitely see maybe places like Wyoming, Montana, probably Idaho. Some of those places would start to get in on that type of thing. Eventually, and because there would be precedent, they could say, well, hey, this has already been ruled and it's already you know gone here and there and done all this other stuff. I think a lot of those states, if the state houses would pass some of that stuff, it may be a thing where... What they say is eventually somebody would bring suit and say, well, I should, if, let's say, Texas, New Mexico, and Arizona, Utah, Nevada, you know, again, Idaho, Montana, if if a bunch of those things, they should be able to then say, well, if we've got this many states that are saying it's okay, isn't the point kind of moot? Uh, And especially if you're getting up to where there's 25, 30 states that have that type of thing. And then they're going to say, well, why should it matter if person A in Arizona and person B in New Mexico can both build their own suppressors or have their own suppressors and it's not subject to it? Why should it matter if those two states shouldn't shouldn't person A in Arizona be able to buy a suppressor from person B in New Mexico? you know, what's, what's the big deal? Because they're both, they both have the same loss type thing. So eventually I think that may, maybe without going, I mean, eventually there will have to be some type of legislation, but it may be one of the kind of those natural evolution things where as more and more states do stuff like that, then it, it, again, it kind of renders that regulation or that interpretation of that regulation moot. Another thing, again, that's not in favor of ATF is, as we know, they're pretty arbitrary on how they do stuff. And I don't know if that has to do with maybe people that are making those decisions or, or maybe some are more pro-gun, some are more anti-gun, some are, some are more seeking favor to go on to do other things in their career. And so whatever politician or party is in in power at the time, they'll kind of kowtow to them, so to speak. So we shall see. Again, I think it's a matter of time. Like I said, there probably will be some type of legislation eventually that comes and says, well, suppressors aren't, are going to be taken off of the NFA item because you've got 35 states that say no, and then we're just going to leave it up to the states whether you can even have one or not. Again, at that point, that would if something like that happened, it would probably be challenged in states where they're saying no, under the under the Constitution it should be. But again, uh, going back to the arbitrary nature of the ATF, you know, one if whenever it suits them, they'll say, well, a suppressor is a firearm, and therefore we can regulate it. And then when it says uh, so this is not a firearm, and so therefore we can regulate it as an accessory. So anyway, um, what else did I want to talk about? Uh, real quick. There was a case of a guy who was, I think he was, and I I don't have a ton of details on it. Supposedly, he he was a former uh, guy who was in the Navy, and I think he had moved to Hawaii, had to register his guns, and then I think he had some 
issues with depression actually sought help and then uh, I think they confiscated his guns. I don't know if he got them back, but again, it's that thing of, it's kind of like those red flag laws and it's sort of the other, you, you kind of have a, a, a dual-edged sword there in that that guy and others like him may say, oh, well, if I seek help and if I'm working for the government or if, you know, whether you're in the military or police or whether you're like I was, a, you know, maybe a probation officer or something like that, or you maybe work for the IRS or the or ATF or... or uh, we can even say, again, going back to IRS, you can say that, uh, oh, if you're seeking counseling or something, they're going to report that you're doing that, and then they're going to they're gonna get a warrant, and they're going to come and search your property to see if you have firearms, that type of thing. So anyway, I think uh, it, you can look it up and Google that stuff, or you can... Uh, you can go on Brave, which is it's not, I don't think, as good quite yet a search engine as Google, but it doesn't track you at least. I think DuckDuckGo used to do it, but I think DuckDuckGo is now probably, there's there's uh, been some issues with them as far as privacy as well. I know there's other, uh, Start Page is another, I think, search engine that you can do uh, that, again, supposedly doesn't track you. All right, real quick, let's talk about a couple more things and then we will call it to a close. I saw a video from Mike, who is on the Mr. Guns and Gear channel. This was a few days ago about that the NRA is not getting the amount of donations that they once were getting. Now, there's, I'm sure, a lot of reasons for that. Part of that is who's the current leadership. And part of that is the leadership has to be compensated fairly, right? If you want to have somebody who can basically run a corporations and make decisions and, and uh, can go forward with the agency that, keep, that keeps the, the, uh, like the NRA relevant and current. But a lot of stuff has come out about Wayne LaPierre. There's been lots of lawsuits. There's been mismanagement allegations. There's been what they would, some people would say is, defrauding or maybe not even defrauding maybe but sort of mis misuse of funds or that funds were allocated inappropriately and at the time I'd probably say oh well you know according to our bylaws and stuff we can do this but the idea that Wayne LaPierre gets all this extra money and you say well wouldn't that money have been better spent maybe trying to pour some money and getting behind let's say somebody like Blake Masters out here in Arizona or somebody like the guy in Nevada, who I can't remember his name, or Herschel Walker in Georgia, had they spent maybe four or $500,000 of Wayne LaPierre's clothing allowance and, and getting behind that and trying to help out, maybe that would have made a difference. Maybe, maybe not. You don't know. But I think, it, you know, it's an interesting thing. I had gone to years ago, I think it was maybe 2009, something like that. So many, many years ago. I had gone to a, I think it was a Second Amendment Foundation annual meeting type thing, and I remember, and I also, I think about a year or so later, I went to an NRA convention out here in Arizona that was out here in Phoenix, and one of the things, and it was especially noticeable in the uh, Second Amendment Foundation meeting because it's smaller, but as I looked out on the crowd, I noticed that, well, the majority of people here are male. The majority of people here are white. And 
one of the, the subjects that they had been talking about was, you know, what, what can we do to get more people in, to bring more people in? And I remember at the time thinking, well, number one, you're not seeing a lot of, oh, you're not seeing a lot of women here and you're not seeing a lot of black, Asian, Hispanic people here, you know, so that's who you sort of need to reach out to and you need to be more inclusive. And if I could see that in the first 10 minutes of sitting around there, I'm sure other things, other agency heads and stuff like that could as well. That was another thing that I kind of noticed at the NRA show. Now at the NRA show, of course, because it was in Phoenix, you saw more like Hispanics and blacks and Asians and stuff. But again, still the majority was white and the majority was male. And the majority of the people that were black, Hispanic, Asian were male as well. And my big thing was always who you really need to reach out to if you want to get sort of a juggernaut going and you need to be inclusive to them was women. And I still think you'd need to do that. But anyway, I don't know. It's going to be interesting to see over the next four or five years what happens with the NRA. Are they going to lose their position of what we would call primacy? They, for for years and years and years, you might say, well, I don't really like what the NRA does. They do a lot of stuff that I don't care for, but they are the 800-pound gorilla that's in the room and, and things like, what is it, National Association for Gun Rights and uh, Gun Owners of America and other things. And this is, I had done shows, I think, on Gun Owners of America a while back. I don't know if those guys are going to sort of take up the mantle. You have an organization like Second Amendment Foundation, but they're, they seem to be, they're much more litigation-minded as opposed to sort of maybe like a lobbyist or or something to where like a political action committee type thing or and believe me i i talk about politics a lot i don't like it i don't like the fact that we are so beholden to people that they know you're beholden to them so they don't really care one way or another because they know that you have to vote for them. And it's like I've talked about before. I don't know what the Republicans are going to do, if anything. But anyway, I don't know if, if again, Gun Owners of America is going to sort of rise. And But I do think that the NRA is sort of on its way out. I do think that there needs to be a change in leadership from the top and kind of probably even midway through. And there needs to be a, oh reorganization uh, and a philosophical change things aren't like they were when you had the big shakeup back in the 70s and even in the 2000s you know that's 22 years from now from you know and things were even different then and there were complaints then but i think if the nra wants to maintain relevance you're going to have to they're just going to have to get rid of and shake out some of the older leadership that's in there and they're also going to have to change their marketing and messaging and what they're going to get behind and how they're going to do things so and i do think it needs to be maybe a message more of inclusion and saying like hey these are the people that actively fight against your freedoms whether they're democrats or republican have it be out there and that's one thing i will say that nagr is that it national association of gun rights i think that's the what it stands for but that's one thing that they do is they go to the Republicans and they say, hey, 
you need to get behind us or we're going to out you. And, you know, maybe it makes a difference for you in the upcoming election for your reelection. So that's, and I, again, that's some of the tactics that we need to do is these politicians need to be held accountable. So let's talk about one last thing. And this is a little bit more of, the, of uh, politics. We'll kind of finish up on that. I can't for the life of me remember what the name of the bill is, but it's something like short, like stop harassing our rifle. You know, I don't know, but it was something like that. Basically the idea behind it. And I don't even know the house bill number. I think it's coming out of the house and there is a bill in the house. that's basically saying, Hey, we want to get rid of short barrel rifle. We want to get rid of short barrel shotguns. We want to get rid of, I think, maybe suppressors. I know for sure, but I could be mistaken. So if any of you guys know, send out some audio or write me an email, drop me a quick email and let me know on that. Basically, what they're trying to do is say that we're just going to pass a law that says these things, the, there's no such thing as a short barrel rifle anymore or a short barrel shotgun. It's just going to be considered a rifle. It doesn't matter barrel length or this, that, and the other thing. If it's And what they would have to do is, I'm sure, actually define it, define what they're going to call a shotgun, what they're going to call a rifle, which may have to do with barrel lengths and all that other stuff. But what they could say too, and I don't know if it's going to be, but that's going to be in this bill. And we're, we'll, we'll circle back to that here in just a second. So before you get too excited about it, yeah, it's good that it's coming up. It's going to go nowhere. It may go out of the House, but once it gets to the Senate, it's going to die in the Senate. They won't even, uh, it's much like the uh, assault weapons ban thing. It's just, it's going to, it's going to, it's dead on arrival, basically. Now, let's say by some miracle that it went through the House, it went through the Senate, and it got passed. Biden either has to sign it or veto it or do nothing, and it can turn into a law, right? Well, Biden's not going to let that happen. He would automatically veto it the, the second it got to his desk. So if anything like this has even a chance or a hope of coming through, which I don't think it does probably for, at a minimum, at least two years, maybe longer. They're, they're, but again, what may happen is it may, and there probably needs to be a movement of going state by state and saying, hey, if you get this rifle here in your state, or if you, or, or they just may say, oh, there's no, the, the, like the state of Arizona and the state of Texas and the state of Wyoming and the state of Montana no longer recognize, there's no difference between a short barrel rifle. So you can have it, you can put whatever on it you want, you can do whatever, blah, 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 much like on the suppressor thing. And what they would do is they would say that anybody any law enforcement agency that comes in here, you're going to be, and if you try and, any federal agency comes in and tries to prosecute somebody, that those potential officers can be held liable, civil, civilly liable, meaning that you can take their pensions and you can do all this other stuff if they've been found to wrongfully arrest you or, or act outside of the color of their authority. So again, it's, it's much sort of like whether you're for it or against it, the whole marijuana thing. I think that something like that is probably going to happen. Uh, if let's say in 2024, there is a massive 
the, let's say the Republicans retain the House, not only retain the House, but gain a bunch of seats. And in the Senate, it flips over again at that point. And then if there is a Republican in the White House, maybe, maybe not. I mean, look what happened though the first couple of years. And I've talked about this on many occasions. The Republicans had the White House, the Senate, and the House. And whenever it came time to push through legislation, right, to limit maybe ATF, to get things like short barrel rifle designation out of the NFA, to get suppressors taken off that list, short barrel shotguns off that list, they didn't do it. It was just, it was never the right time, you know, because of public sentiment. And again, you, you know, you got to kind of look and take a, a, a page maybe from the Democratic playbook. It's always the right time for them. And it's never the right time for the Republicans. I just, again, I, I hold very little hope. I, there are a few people out there that are at least pushing this stuff forward. Uh, and this is the, this is, we'll end on this, but it always seems they push this stuff forward when they know there is really no chance at all of it passing. So they can say, well, hey, look what I did. I pushed this stuff through and they just, you know, they, they didn't go through, but I really tried. And it's like, eh, not really. Yeah, I can, I can see you. I can see what you're doing. Anyway, on that, I think I will draw it to a close. I will try and get this edited and out to you guys maybe by Friday or Saturday. And uh, hopefully, <laughs> if I can, uh, but I'd love to hear from you. Let me give you that contact information again. The email address where you can send audio or your uh, regular old emails, and I'll read them out for you on the air, is firearmscafe at protonmail.com. All one word, firearmscafe at protonmail.com. And that's spelled P-R-O-T-O-N-M-A-I-L.com. Okay, so that is it. I will talk to you guys next time.